Augustine Institute Radio Theater presents The Victory of Joan of Arc. This episode is brought to you by The Mission Circle, a community dedicated to daily prayer and a monthly financial gift in support of the Augustine Institute's mission to help Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. For more information, visit missioncircle.org. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode, The Quest for Paris. Well, my Lord Archbishop, the coronation is done. Congratulations. And to you, my Lord Chamberlain. I hear it said that the king will give you the title of count. Along with others, he will reward for their services to him. I have also heard that you have been in communication with the Duke of Burgundy. To appeal to him to come to the coronation? Uh, More than that, I think. I have begun negotiations. Of what kind? Peace, my lord. A delegation from the Duke arrived this very day to further that cause. The Duke of Burgundy wishes to negotiate a peace treaty with our king? Yes. I will call a meeting of the king and his council tomorrow. Will you include the girl? (sighs) It would be better for her to return home to her family or cows or whatever she has there. She said a curious thing to me as we left the cathedral. She looked at the crowds and said, Here is a good people. I have never seen a people rejoice so much. May I be blessed enough when I end my days to be buried in the soil of a land that produces such people. She is 18 years old and speaks of death. I asked her, Where do you expect to die? She said, wherever God pleases. For myself, I do not know the time or the place any more than you do. But from her look, I believe she knows. She has told the king that she expects to serve him for a year and then no more. Because she will be killed? I do not have her voices to tell me such things. However, to negotiate with the Duke of Burgundy and deal with the English, I fear the girl will be more of a hindrance than a help. Leading to what? Leading to an end she will not desire. Your Highness, the Duke of Burgundy desires a truce. He could not be bothered to come to his king's coronation, and now he wants to negotiate. He is shrewd, my maiden. He sees that we have strength and momentum now, with all due credit to you. Or he actually desires peace. It is a trick, my Lord de la Tremoille. You know it is. The Duke of Burgundy and the Duke of Bedford are stalling for time while they build up their reinforcements in Paris. My Lord Dunois, do we know for certain that they are reinforcing Paris? I am certain, because it is what any good commander would do. He knows that now you have been crowned, you will take Paris. He knows what I myself do not know. My dear King, of course we must move on to Paris. So much bloodshed, if we do. Surely we should avoid it, if possible. Jeanne, you must want peace. A true peace, yes. But the Duke of Burgundy does not want a true peace. He is dangling peace in front of you like a carrot before a mule. You would call your sovereign a mule? 
You are an impudent girl. This is why the English call you a witch. Names do not concern me. But I hold that meeting the Duke's delegates would be foolhardy. Let us march to Paris. Let them beg for peace after we've taken the city. By what means will you take it? By the same means we've taken the others. Why do you still doubt, my Lord Chamberlain? Why are you so determined to fight? It is the only way. It is not, sweet maiden. It is right for me to hear what the Duke's delegates are offering. Anything other than a full surrender and oath of allegiance to you is a waste of time. Perhaps that is possible by peaceful means. Then I ask you, my king, I beg you, release me to go home. My service to you is finished. It is not, Jeanne. You will stay by my side. Come what may. Jeanne, why did you attempt to dissuade the king and his men from making any kind of peace treaty with the Duke of Burgundy? The Burgundians were stalling the king while they strengthened their positions with the English. You see what happened. The king accepted a truce of 15 days and what did the Duke of Burgundy and the English do? They used the time to strengthen Paris against us. 3,500 knights and archers. What did the king say to you then? He said nothing. He would not meet with me to discuss affairs of state. Instead, we began a tour of different towns in the region. Though I was near to him, I felt as if I had been banished. What were your voices telling you during this time? All along, I had felt as if my voices had been holding my hand, guiding me as a child. But they let go. It was as if they wanted me to decide for myself what mission I was to undertake. What did you decide? To attack Paris. While the truce is in place, the Duke of Bedford assembles a force of 12,000 English and Burgundian soldiers and marches to Corbeil and Moulin. The king sends his commanders with Jeanne to engage with them. It is a flirtation. There are skirmishes, but no battle. The king decides to move south to Loire. My Lord Duke, the king is retreating. No, Maiden, not retreating, but returning to more friendly places to refresh himself and his soldiers. Mm, sounds like a retreat to me. My Lord Duke, if we retreat, I fear we will never regain our ground. We need to march on Paris. It is the king's command. We will cross at the bridge near Bray. The town has assured us of a safe passage. <laughs> Bray? <laughs> the king is misinformed. How? A rider has just come from there. The English have taken that bridge. We cannot travel south without going miles around. You see? Let us surprise them all and surround Paris. We do not have the soldiers. If the towns encircling Paris swear allegiance to the king, then it is as good as surrounded. She has a point, Duke. I will speak with the king. I should speak with him. No, good maiden, I will do it. Why will he not see me? He believes he knows your mind and what you will say. Then I am useless to him. No, not at all. You remain an inspiration. Like a banner for him to wave as it pleases him. Is that not the choice of the king? To use us in whatever way he pleases? But it is a waste of time. And my time is running out. The 11th of August, the king marches to Crépillon-Valois. At Crépy, the king receives a letter from the Duke of Bedford. The audacity of the man! He claims that I, wrongfully and without cause, call myself a king. 
Are you surprised, sir? What exactly does he want, your highness? He wants to meet us in battle. Then let us meet them in force. I would meet the man myself. He dares to bring up the murder of John of Burgundy, which he claims that I, I, committed disgracefully and contrary to every law of chivalry and honour. Your Highness, it is mere posture. It is what the English always do. Bid us to attack so they have the advantage. Do not take the bait, sire. Continue to build the allegiance of the towns around Paris, then he will be trapped. You are wise, my Lord Duke. Alas, it is not my idea, but Jeanne's. Perhaps she has been right all along. We must turn our forces to Paris. Tell us, Duke, what happened in the lead-up to the attack on Paris? It was in the middle of August, after the peace treaty had officially expired. We were in Crecy, northeast of Paris, and marched southwest, putting us closer to the city. We deployed in the fields near Montepilois. A castle was there on the top of a wooded hill. There was a stream, the Nonette, that ran past the walls of the town of Saint-Lys. The enemy arrived in the evening. We faced each other, but there was no battle. A few outbreaks of fighting. They camped near an abbey at Notre-Dame de la Victoire. During the night, the English fortified their position by digging ditches and planting their pointed stakes. This time, they added great quantities of thorn bushes. Their archers took positions behind the stakes. The next morning, they wanted us to attack. We held back. Jeanne rode up to them, with her standard held high, and challenged them. That caused a few blood-filled skirmishes. It was a hot day, and so dusty from the horses that we could not see clearly. The hatred between the armies was so great that no one was captured for ransom, but put to death without pity or mercy. We lost 300 men. They lost the same number. By nightfall, each side withdrew again. The next day, we waited. The English, for reasons of their own, departed back to Paris. Our king ordered us back to Crepy. What did Jeanne do? She persuaded me to march a division south, to the town of Saint-Denis, which was as close as we dare go. For what purpose? To wait and observe Paris. Jeanne has reached Saint-Denis. That is good, my Lord Chamberlain. I am pleased. Why, Your Highness? It will keep the English preoccupied while I negotiate with the Duke of Burgundy. I have a delegation coming here, as I'm sure you know. The Duke of Burgundy has been watching you, sir. He is impressed with what you have done. Hmm. I have no doubt that he appreciates your respect for his territories. There is no advantage to poking the bee's nest when trying to get the honey. If I can lure him away from the English, all the better. What is the news from Paris? Some of the people from the surrounding villages have fled into the city for protection from our advance. There has been a general panic, with a rush to build up their weapons on the city walls. We must be careful. The Duke of Burgundy is duty-bound to respond if we attack too soon. If our negotiations go well over the next few days, he will relinquish that duty. Then we are fighting only the English, and may take the city. 
I have noticed, sire, that you did not tell the maiden about any of this. It is better that she not know. Diplomacy and politics are not of interest to her. The less she knows, the more I can do. The 28th of August, King Charles negotiates an armistice with the Duke of Burgundy. In exchange for the safety of various Burgundian towns, the Duke has removed his soldiers from Paris. The King now marches his army south. He joins Jeanne and the advanced troops on the 7th of September. There she is, my King. Paris. The city walls look impenetrable. Hear me, Your Highness. I will put you in Paris if you give me leave to do so. Patience, good maiden. We may take the city from the inside. How so, sire? We have agents there, inciting the people of Paris to rise up and demand allegiance to me. They have spread the rumor that an attack by us is imminent and cannot be stopped. Monsieur le Duc has also sent the Provost of Paris a letter. It was an attempt to give him cause to align with us or fear an attack. Mm. We are poised to do that very thing, my lords. And so we shall, tomorrow. At last. Uh, no, Jeanne. The attack is not meant to take the city, but to sow further discord, alarm, panic. Attack without an intention to be victorious. A ruse, dear maiden. Let us attack so they will negotiate. Sire, tomorrow is the day of the nativity of the Virgin. Yes, the timing is unfortunate, but necessary. We will gather our forces at the gate of Saint-Honoré and attack there. Attack, but without success. I have trusted you, dearest Jeanne. Now you must trust me. Tuesday, the 8th of September. The French army, numbering over 12,000, attacks Paris. Inside, the garrisons, including only 40 to 50 men-at-arms, defend the city with cannon fire and soldiers lining the walls. Jeanne the Maiden stands on the bank above the moat and cries out, Men of France, you must cross the moat now. Go forward, my friends. Do not give up the assault until Paris is taken. The French soldiers rush forward to fill the dry moat with wood. What is Jeanne doing? Monsieur le Duc, you told her this was a feint. I did. Then why is she attacking as if she plans to take the city? Because she is planning to take the city. Did you expect her to pretend to attack? Do you not know her? She's in the line of fire. We must get her out of there. As the soldiers attempt to fill the dry moat, the English rain arrows and stones at them from the wall. The maiden rushes back and forth along the moat, urging the men forward. Victory is yours if you persevere. She calls out to the English. Surrender to us at once. If you do not surrender before nightfall, we shall enter by force. You will be put to death without mercy. A crossbowman on the wall shouts back to her. Is that what you say? The crossbowman lets fly a bolt. You witch! You can't! It strikes Jeanne in the thigh. <laughs> Soldiers race to Jeanne, using their shields to protect her. The commanders order her off the field of battle. No! Do not retreat! 
We must take the city. Pull wood into the moat. No, my lord. Do not fight us or we shall all be killed. We can take the city. Listen to me, my lord. The Duke of Alençon commands you to come away. In the name of the king. In God's name, the city can be taken. Tell them, Leia. We can take Paris. Not today, Jeanne. Well, how is she? The bolt split the armour and sunk into her thigh. Thankfully, it missed the bone. We would have won the city if only we kept fighting. Victory would have been ours. The king himself told you our plan. My voices told me otherwise. My Lord Duke, claim the victory that awaits you. We must plan our next attack. There will be no attack. Today, tomorrow, or any other day, King Charles has commanded that we retreat. What did you say? No, we must not. We will not. It is not a matter for debate. The king has said, if you will not obey, I am to... Stop you by force. All of us must return to Saint-Denis immediately. It cannot be. Maiden, can you ride? I will. Then ride with me to Saint-Denis. Fifteen hundred men were killed! Fifteen hundred! But your highness... Am I not your king? We, your highness. And you are my holy warrior. A warrior, sire. Not a play actor pretending to fight battles. There will be no more battles. We are ending this campaign. When Paris is ready, we will return. For now, we go to the Loire Valley. The Loire? So far, but, but we will lose all that we have gained. Have your voices told you so? No. Then heed my voice and come south. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Jeanne. Brother, I am glad you have come. Please hear my confession. Of course. But what are you doing? Why have you placed your armor on the altar? I have made an offering to Our Lady Mary. I have vowed to follow my king and do as he commands. My voices have gone silent, brother. What am I to do? The 21st of September. 
King Charles VII gives orders to disband the French army, releasing all but a few to return to their homes. His commanders are also given titles and rewards and sent away. The Duke of Alençon appeals to the king to allow Jeanne to travel with him to his homeland in Normandy. The king declines, advised by Tremois that the duke and the maiden will likely conduct battles on their own. Jeanne is kept at the royal court to do the bidding of the king and his chamberlain. And thus, the will of the maiden and the king's army were broken. Close the window, if you please, my lord Chamberlain. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, what news has led you to summon me? Speak, my lord de la Tremoy. Sire, the Duke of Burgundy has rallied his troops, along with those belonging to John of Luxembourg. The child King Henry has come from England with 200 men and provisions. Burgundy has taken possession of the towns lining the river Oise, reclaiming Cré, and ascending upon Compiègne. I see. Your Highness. Yes, my Lord Archbishop. I believe you have acted in good faith, and the Duke of Burgundy has been leveraging your truce with him to gain greater power with the English. That is obvious. He is a cunning man. One has to admire how he ingratiated himself to you and the Duke of Bedford at the very same time. See what he's done in Paris. You would have me appreciate his cunning behaviour. Or am I to be grateful that you advocated for Burgundy after my coronation? No, sire, only... Uh, we were all deceived, sire. It was as simple as that. The Duke of Burgundy is a liar and a cheat. He was supposed to yield Paris to me. It was understood between us. No battles, no bloodshed, a simple handover of power. And what did he do instead? The English made him governor of Paris and lieutenant general of the Anglo-Burgundian alliance. He is my cousin. My cousin! But is now second in command to the Duke of Bedford. Well, as I said, he is a cunning man. The maiden was right. We should have pressed forward, taken Paris then, refused to negotiate. <coughs> my lords, what are we to do now? The alliance between the Duke of Bedford and the Duke of Burgundy is stronger than ever. Bedford has given Burgundy the entire region of Champagne. He will overrun the towns that pledged their allegiance to me only last summer. The towns near Paris may think twice about returning to the Duke of Burgundy if our troops were to march to Paris. I risk an open provocation when I have no army. What if we give leave for the maiden to return to Paris? There are soldiers who will follow her anywhere. If she goes without an official commission from you... Send the poor girl without an experienced commander to accompany her. The Archbishop is experienced with war. Oh, I, I, Beneath I, I, his ecclesiastical finery, he's still a military man. Yes. You must go with her, my Lord Archbishop. But, uh, but that will implicate you. You cannot disavow knowledge of her actions if Allow I... Allow her to ride ahead with an advance guard. You may then catch up with her when she reaches Paris. Our enemies will believe you are rushing to subdue her. And then what? The maiden does not listen to me. Ever. Have you given her reason to? Why, you... No, this is a good plan. Do your best, Eminence. 
marched to Paris. <laughs> of course, Your Highness. Jeanne, the voices spoke to you at Muller, did they not? Oui. During the battle to remove the English garrison in the town, I was in the trenches and the voices of St. Catherine and St. Margaret spoke to me. What did they say? I was to be captured before St. John's Day. The 24th of June? They told me not to be dismayed, but to take all in courage, and God would help me. Are you sure you heard them correctly? They told me more than once. Every day. But I told no one. Instead, I submitted myself to the will of the captains in the matter of war. What was your response to the voices? I asked that, if I be taken, to allow me to die quickly. They replied that I must submit myself to whatever must happen. I would rather they had told me something else, but that is what they said. So I accepted it, knowing that God is always with me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Victory of Joan of Arc, a production of Augustan Institute Radio Theatre. To find out more about this audio drama, as well as many others like it, go online to airtheatre.org. That's A-I-R-theatre.org.